This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, we think that you <laughs> Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down yeah. in the face of glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went come over here for a minute and turned into plastic? Welcome, everybody, to Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. And John. We are here today to discuss The Twilight Zone, Season 2, Episode 6, Eye of the Beholder, with an air date of November 11th. Hey, my wedding anniversary. 1960. A young woman lying in a hospital bed, her head wrapped in bandages, awaits the outcome of a surgical procedure performed by the state in the... Oh, performed by the state in a latch. Le- Hi, everybody. I'm Christopher Feinstein. <laughs> McKine. A young woman lying in a hospital bed, her head wrapped in bandages, awaits the outcome of a surgical procedure performed by the state in a last-ditch effort to make her look normal. In quotes. Normal. Normal. <laughs> what do we think? Ten. Whoa, John Sachs. <laughs> Around the gate, yeah. This my is third, a, my third ten. This is a great episode. Jesus Christ, this is Sir Lance's masterpiece. Yeah, wow. I mean, great it, episode. It gets every all his a lot of his writers things ticks in there with a lot of new thematic material and a way to frame it that's interesting on a technical front. Holy shit, this episode, incredible. I don't know how they pulled it off. This is a classic. We all, it's one of those episodes. I, does it play in our opening? I think I mean, uh, it's like, it's one of those episodes that Albert Brooks would bring up. Ever see a guy say goodbye to a shoe? Like this is one of those episodes when you bring yeah. up Twilight Zone, this is one of the shorthand episodes that everybody remembers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it, it holds up. It holds up beautifully. Like watching it again, because this was like the first time I'd watched it in decades. Because, you know, it's a mo- it's an episode you've seen a million times. You know what the doctors look like. There's a lot of iconic elements to this episode. It was watching it again it's one of those where you have those episodes that you kind of i think for you chris it was elegy that was an episode you you grew up loving and then you watched it and it's like ah this doesn't you know there's some there's some creaks in it this is one of those opposite for me where it's like world uh world of difference where it's like oh it's way more interesting than i remembered yeah yeah this is you guys have seen these episodes you know multiple times over the years like they probably all still feel relatively fresh 
you know, it's like, oh, right, it's this one. Oh, right, it's this one. Oh, right, it's yeah. this one. Every episode, even like the all-timers, because I haven't, I don't know how many of these I've actually seen. An episode like this starts, I'm like, oh, shit, this is one of those episodes. And I get so fucking fired up because I've never, I've definitely never seen it as an adult, right? I probably, maybe I've seen it 22 years ago, 23 years ago. And right. I don't really remember the beats or how it's shot or how it's structured. But this episode, it might be the best episode of the whole series. I mean, this is the episode, this is why the Twilight Zone still resonates 65 years later. This is it. This is this is the blueprint. It's like incredibly inventive storytelling done through sci-fi with an amazing fucking ending, like an incredible ending. And it's probably easy to look at the ending and be like, oh, you know, cynically be like, oh, I get it. Beauty, I need to hold her, blah, 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 fairy tale, whatever. I'm like, fuck that. This this ending is fucking a banger. Like, yeah, I look at this and like I could I could look at it through the 2023 lens and appreciate it on a whole other level. That's why I think this is certainly its masterpiece. This is like beautiful you couldn't tell a better story in 25 minutes than this that last four minutes whatever it is incredible stuff it just comes together so beautifully all these elements that he's been teased they've been teasing you with throughout the whole episode like they, they tease you because the whole episode's like a tease because you're not allowed to see anything like right. you're yeah you don't see any any nobody's face everything's very see shadows and yeah silhouettes it's really eerie it's very eerie mm-hmm. that's the other thing that i i noticed watching it this time it holds up in terms of creepiness. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. a lot of them don't, a lot of them seem a little cornball. Like last week's episode definitely feels a little hammy. Like this is this is genuinely atmospheric. Every shot is like, it's like they have this thing. Okay, we can't show anybody's face. How do we tell a story? Has that ever been done before? Like I'm, I'm talking about in all the film, it's like we, ha- we do not show anybody's face in all filmmaking. I don't think there's ever been an experiment like this. Right. Think about ev- literally every camera setup. They don't want to repeat themselves. So, okay, how do we show these people having a conversation? How do we show this woman talking? How do we differentiate every single scene for the first 20 minutes until we see someone's face and keep it interesting? That's amazing. Like amazing. This, this is why this one blows blows me away. It really it, does. It's yeah. a real technical achievement just from top to bottom in that regard. Able to keep it interesting, visually interesting. And yeah, you understand uh, what's happening, who's where everybody is, what the world we're in is. And it's also, mm-hmm. it's subjective. Like, it's almost like her predicament. You're living her predicament. She can't see anybody's faces. Right. So yep. it's like this thing where you almost, I, I can imagine somebody watching it going, oh, it's just the f- episode's going subjective to her experience, not being able to see who's talking to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, <laughs> it's like <laughs> we have a really big trick up our sleep. Yeah. This episode, I, something I didn't know, it had a different name. It yeah, wasn't, I you saw that? that? Yeah, it wasn't always Eye of the Beholder. Originally, it was the Private World of Darkness. Mm. Huh. But uh, it was—I think it was a television producer. He threatened to sue because he had an educational program that he was selling to schools with the same name. Ah, so he threatened to sue, so they changed the name. But in later reruns, in from starting from 1962, it started using the that name again. And maybe the guy and, died <laughs> in, this, in, in the place of this episode. But then it became just so popular and so known as "Eye of the Beholder." That they just kept it that one. Oh, wow. But I like that. A private world of darkness. Like, you know, her head's wrapped up. You know, you're alone in this world. Like, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Every shot of her when she's talking just kind of softly and it's just still shots of her. And yeah, all that stuff is so well done. It's so, it's so creepy. You you don't know. Can you imagine watching? Like, okay, so what do you think people are thinking the first time they watch this? Do Do you even think they're, they're trying to guess? Or are they just kind of hooked in? I don't know where this is going. Because how could you? You can't. Yeah, I don't remember. It's one of those episodes I saw so long ago. I don't remember my first 
It's just like ingrained in my brain that it's like I don't remember the first time I watched it. Uh, I asked my wife because she first time she watched it was in history class wow. in high school mm-hmm. and she had never seen it. And she explained it was just like she didn't understand what was happening. Like when the reveal happens, like the whole class, like gasp, she said, she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> or like some people laughed, some people, but everybody was definitely surprised by it. Yeah. Like she, and she said, like, I was totally I had no idea that was coming. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time I re- remember watching it. Like, I think I've seen it as well at the end, the reveal. But I was just like a little annoyed throughout the whole. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why are they not showing anyone? This all sounds like voiceover. Like, what is happening? I was confused. It's all voiceover. And I think um, I think it's a concession to a couple things. I think, A, you're not showing faces. So why, you know, record sound just because it's just you might as well not. Yeah. It's just cheaper and more efficient that way. Just not to even bother with sound if you're not going to show faces. And plus, with all the appliances on everybody's faces, yeah. you're, you're not they're not. They probably sound like. Yeah, yeah, right. They, yeah. they have that, those big hard rubber fucking things on their faces, and the actress is covered. And that's not the actress's voice when she has the bandages. Oh, really? On. No, it's a different actress, Maxine. Hmm. Yeah, uh, oh, let me just go yeah, through the episode. We'll get to a little bit. Yeah, go to the beat. Yeah. So Janet Tyler is in a hospital bed, and she's there for the eleventh time trying to get a procedure done to fix her face. Apparently, she's she's not looking too good under there. When will they take the bandages off? How long, nurse? Until they decide whether or not they can fix your face. I guess it's pretty bad, isn't it? I've seen worse. Well, yes, but it's pretty bad, isn't it? Oh, I know it's pretty bad. Ever since I can remember, ever since I was a little girl, people have turned away when they looked at me. Those nurses are so catty. They're like, what a a, bruto. (laughs) What a disgraciate, that face. Ever see your face, 307? Indeed I have. If it were mine, I'd bury myself in a grave someplace. Cigarette? She's had some kind of facial disfigurement, like, as long as she remembers. And apparently, they're living in some kind of totalitarian world. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our leader. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, I shall talk to you about glorious conformity because things are different you're understanding that things are different and again this is all done in silhouettes and shots of hands Mm -hmm. that actress acted her fucking hands off her hands are going wacky when she's doing her stuff they're talking about like what are the options for people like her you know it's like well there's a place where we could put you with the rest of you like a leper colony or something in the event that this last treatment is not successful this is simply to allow you to move into a special area in which people of your kind have been congregated. It's the, in the Garbage Pail Kids movie, the, the State Home for the Ugly, if anybody ever remembers that movie. And apparently nobody does, because nobody's looking at me. <laughs> Tasty looking toes, too. <laughs> oh. We cannot choose the way we look, but we can choose the way we behave. Uh-uh. <laughs> and you, all, uh-uh. you know what the funniest is you all froze once i said that but it, it wasn't much different from <laughs> your probably real reactions it was just like it was so my reference like stopped the conversation dead that it actually like, froze the screen <laughs> she starts freaking out she's like i gotta get these fucking bandages off you gotta get them off you gotta he's like okay we'll get them off please take this off me oh please Take this off me! Take it off me! Take it off me! All right, then, I will take the bandages off. 
Get the anesthetist. And he smokes a cigarette and talks about his misgivings about society. Like he starts talking to his, his pal, the nurse, while smoking a cigarette in the hospital because the 60s. He's just Paradise. like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I understand. But I must confess, it's easier for me to think of her as, as human when her face is covered up. But why? Why must we feel that way, nurse? What is the dimensional difference between beauty and something repellent? Is it skin deep? Yeah, less than that. He's just saying about his misgivings about the society, and it's like, oh, I feel bad for this poor, wretched woman. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. We'll return to our program shortly. So what the hell, what were we talking about before? Everything went to shit and I ruined everything. <laughs> my, my internet completely crapped out and like everybody just started freezing. And I, it wasn't just because of my awful jokes. They were just they like that one. And be more funny. <laughs> and uh, it was very weird. And then everything just went off. And I sat here dumbfounded for a good 10 seconds. I'm like, hmm, wonder what I do now. I'm Batman. Well, anyhow, he's talking to the nurse who's like about his misgivings. And he's like, OK, I'm going to take her bandages off. And he explains to her, it's like, this is it. Like once these come off, this is the last procedure we could do to you because 11's it. Your 11th visit. No more after this, are they, doctor? No more tries. 11 is the mandatory number of experiments. We're not permitted to do any more after 11. 11 procedures, a very strange number. Is that what it was, 11? It has 11 procedures. That's all they could do. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top? number and make that a little louder these go to 11 now this is such a brilliant thing that they 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 figure out this device to just ratchet up tension it's like well we're gonna have to take the bandages off slowly for your eyes to adjust to, to the light now, i'll tell you precisely what i'm going to do i'm going to cut the bandages a section at a time then i'm going to unwrap the bandages very gradually the process has to be slow so that your eyes can become accustomed to the light as you know, these injections may have had some effect on your vision. Which I don't know. Is that like proper like hospital procedure? Yeah, I don't oh, think so. Listen, I don't think proper hospital procedures <laughs> to cover the woman's entire face with bandages. They might they nowadays they probably leave well, nowadays they'd probably leave an air hole. It was like a helmet. It was like a helmet of bandages on her head. Yeah. It looked like dark band. Some kind of a freak. Maybe I should be wearing a funny little hat. Do you like it? <laughs> So he starts slowly taking the bandages off and this dreamy Bernard Herman music playing. And we're seeing from her perspective, from her perspective as the light in the center of like her bandages starts getting a little bit brighter with each successive unwrapping. Do you see any light now, Miss Tyler? Oh, just a little. It looks gray. It's so well done. It's so well done because now you're sitting there. It's like, I got to see this woman's face. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it's been built up so well. It's like, oh boy, I'm going gonna, gonna to see a monster face today. Yeah. <laughs> Pay the dancing freak. Pay five bucks. This is the dancing freak. <laughs> and boy, the kids of the 60s did not know the treat they were going to get. Yeah. The Finally, the, band, the last bandage is off. You see uh, forceps and stuff. Are you frozen again? Oh, you scared. Nope. Sorry. Four steps. Oh, yeah, you saw the hand go up. No change. No change at all. And it's a beautiful blonde who's actually the girl who played Ellie Mae on the Beverly Hillbillies. Is that who that is? Yes, it is. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, Donna Douglas. 28-year-old Douglas grew up in the backwoods of Louisiana. 
and she had never been more than 50 miles from home before she embarked on an acting career in the late 1950s. I was raised a tomboy, learned to swing on vines, whistle through my teeth, could throw that football, softball, all those things. When Ellie came along, it was like it was a slice out of my life. Douglas's wholesome looks and southern accents so closely resembled the character of Ellie Mae that she easily beat out her competition. This here has been an E-Network presentation. Y'all be sure and stay tuned now, you hear? And the woman who played uh, her voice was Maxine Stewart. And every time she's in bandages, it's a different actress playing her voice, an older woman. And that's yeah. funny. You can hear it's a very mature sounding voice. They're like, ew, gross. And then you see finally who what they look like. And they're that iconic. The pig face. Pig face. Famous people. pig face people. The famous pig face people. You've probably seen that. It's, it has such cultural saturation, that makeup. Yeah. That you've seen it and probably don't know what the Twilight Zone is. Right. Yep. It's iconic makeup. It must have been terrifying in 1960 to see their face because it's also very the editing goes haywire. Yeah, it's been very like static. And now it's like you want faces. Let's let's make it up for all the shots of faces that you didn't see in the, the first two thirds of the episode. So it's just close ups, tight close ups of faces, all these creepy faces. He starts freaking out and running down the hall. And there's these flat screens where there's a dictator, I think, prime minister uh, on the nose is uh, saying that <laughs> everybody should look the same and it should all be conform. Everybody should conform to the societal norm. And it's and it's this big sweeping like totalitarian speech. And we know now that there must be a single purpose, a single norm, a single approach, a single entity of people. <laughs> He's like, I've seen ugly people. Wow, they're such ugly people. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an ugly person. I said, wow, this person's face is ugly. What a big room this is. I walked in here. I said, wow, what a big room. <laughs> she finally runs into the arms of another hideous monster, a guy who is just fit. Yeah. His biceps, very he was, vascular. He, he was, was a nice. handsome man. He, he was, was thick. a Yeah. That was a slab, that man. She didn't know what kind of yeah, meat she was getting. Dreamboat. Yeah, he's a dreamboat. That I call. He's a representative from the island of misfit hot people. Yeah. Miss Tyler, don't be afraid. He's he's only a representative from the group you're going to live with. Now, oddly enough, you've come right to him. She's actually afraid for her life when she sees him because he's so ugly to her. He's like, he won't hurt you. <laughs> the doctor likes to like soothe her. It's like, no, this monster won't hurt you. And he tells her, it's like, listen, you're going to go to a place with people of your kind. We have a lovely village and wonderful people. I think you're going to like it where I'm going to take you. You'll, uh, you'll be with your own kind. And in a little while, well, you'll be amazed how little a while. You'll feel a sense of great belonging. You'll feel a sense of being loved. And you will be loved, Miss Tyler. You're going to feel love and accepted for the first time in your life. And she like, uh, she like, hey, you know, that doesn't sound, that sounds kind of swell, mister. He, she asks him. So like, why do we have to look this way? And then he says the eye of the beholder line. All right. I don't know, Miss Tyler. I really don't know. But you know something? It doesn't matter. There's an old saying, a very, very old saying. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. When we leave here, when we go to the village, try to think of that, Miss Tyler. Say it over and over to yourself. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And then mm -hmm. they walk off together. And Serling says, Now the questions that come to mind. Where is this place and when is it? What kind of world where ugliness is the norm and beauty the deviation from that norm? You want an answer? The answer is, it 
doesn't make any difference. Because the old saying happens to be true. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. In this year or a hundred years hence. On this planet or wherever there is human life. Perhaps out amongst the stars. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Lesson to be learned in the Twilight Zone. Pow, right in the kiss of that episode. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Absolute classic. Uh, it's, yeah, master, it's fantastic. Master class of, of, of television. Great everything. Like this is when you want a Twilight Zone episode and you think about the best things the show has to offer. This is absolutely up there. And it still delivers. And it's timeless. Like you could show that today and it still works. I was going to say, couldn't you show this to like an elementary school class? And don't you think it would actually have some meaning to it? Like they, they could actually gleam something from it? Well, my wife, they said they made her watch it in high school. That's crazy. That's cool, though. I, yeah. I mean, it's funny, like, and again, like me, Chris, like grew up on this. It's like, I don't think kids know from this kind of thing, this kind of like, it's so quick and simple. It's very simple. It's like, it's very simple, but it's universally simple, not stupid, simple, Mm -hmm. like not like Michael Bay, stupid, simple. It's universally simple. (laughs) (laughs) I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers. And he told me to shut, shut the fuck up. So that, that was the end of that talk. It's such a great surprise. And it, it and they ring it editorially for all it's worth. That bottom third is just, like you said, John, it's fantastic. Just on a filmmaking level, on a story, it just all comes together beautifully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything? It's, I, I, it, we, we fell into the trap that we fall into on the episodes that we love. Where it's like they're so good, and then we run out of things to talk about to them because it's like it's uh, so how much it's just a perfect episode. You really because like can't really there's nothing to nitpick, and there's only so much praise you can sing because the episode literally is it's a perfect twenty five minutes of television. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see if Sterling can top this if he writes a better script. Yeah, the rest of this series. If we find clips from the last few episodes, you're a little leery with Sterling. You're like, ah, because you because you know what it is. He does get into some traps. Like you know, it's just like it's like I've seen this before. He kind of it, it feels like very samey. This is like this feels like a Sterling episode, but like with a real sense of invention to it. That has like a lot of it. Some of his scripts that we've seen haven't had, and some of his endings can feel a little rushed. Yeah, is this the best written Sterling episode to the series at this point? For me, the yeah. best like executed. I mean, not necessarily best written because like you know, there's this great writing and a lot of his episodes but like i think overall execution shit like even like monsters do on maple street love it but when i watch it there's things i have some quibbles about yeah i have a couple of quibbles like this Same. is just like this i have no quibbles with it's one of those episodes where it's like i can't think of how i di- like i'm like so floored by how you pulled this off this such a crazy idea of not showing anybody that it's like, I wouldn't even know how to begin to like start working on that, that problem. Like, you know, having to deal with that and like to, to pull that off for as long as like, so sustained, that's a long time, like 20 minutes. It's like 20 minutes of the show is nobody, you're not seeing a face and to make that work and not be frustrating for the audience. But it's like, and, but you're actually seeing kinds of beautiful frames. Like there's like, 
We're not going to show you their face. We're going to give you this beautiful frame in return. Yeah. It's just fantastic. It's just everything it does, it executes perfectly. It's like, what else do you say? It's just like, I wouldn't even know how, like I was saying though, I, I don't even know how you would even go about doing that. When you watch an episode like Monster Do on Maple Street, it's like, okay, you know, it's a little stagey. There's some things that don't work. Like on a technical front, I'm floored by what they did. Yeah. And especially in 1960. Sorry. Yeah. No, especially in 1960. Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) John, please. I don't know how you could have a better message. Not to get too grandiose and corny, but if the message is, it doesn't matter what people look like, isn't that the best thing you could end on? Really? Especially now. We talk talk about... No, I take it back. I'm not not getting into this. Not digging into this hole. Can't do it. <laughs> you could probably tell where I was going to go, but yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. It's universal, timeless. And this is why, like, you could still talk about Twilight Zone. Uh, like, where a lot of science fiction, a lot of fantasy stuff kind of the bloom comes off the rose with time. Like, this still, like, there's these episodes, there's these pockets episodes. Like, this works just as good now as it did then. Like, the, the mannequin episode, in terms of just not just like the story and the themes, that's 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 icing. You yeah. got like a beautifully constructed, really interesting, fun piece of science fiction with a fun like twist like you your brain got fed and then you got the wee monsters what a surprise and those shots at the end of them just kind of in their normal situations now that we know what they look like and it's like someone's having a cigarette someone's mopping the floor two people are like about to make out one guy was macking on that girl you saw that cigarette in his mouth but that's so creepy that's when you're like oh this is a nightmare for her i mean it's it's rare that the show feels actually scary and that last sequence is uh, so good even the way even the production value of like the hallways how it feels very futuristic and it just feels like she's lost in this other i mean this, this 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 is the episode where it's like oh this is why we're doing this this is why it's worth talking about the Twilight Zone. This is why God knows how many thousands of people are inspired to do how many thousands of other things. Like this, this is for me, this is the episode. Damn fucking good one. I mean, it really yeah. is. And it held up. It's like where a lot of like the, the the classics, like some episodes have surprised us, like where like, oh, I held this episode in such high esteem. And it was like, oh, it was okay. And like, I didn't know where this was going to fall. And then it's just like, oh, shit. This is one of those times where it's like, this is possibly better than I remember it. Because like now, yeah, because you have that understanding, that that technical understanding of filmmaking and storytelling. It's just like the, the fact that they're pulling this off, that they're doing this crazy first time ever experiment in all of film and pulling it off and making it like accessible and entertaining to like the, the common Joe. The, you know, I'm going to get my container of coffee and go off to work. <laughs> Huh. Like they they able to speak to that level, uh, just that that level. It's just it's amazing, and it shows like what science fiction could do. It's really like it really is like one of those benchmarks. Like this is what science fiction could do. Like you you could point to this as like why science fiction as a medium is like important because of this like stuff this strong. And it's so clever to have the doctor and a couple's just select characters be really empathetic. So it doesn't feel like this dystopian pure nightmare where everyone's evil. Yeah. And it's like, this woman's just fucked. It's like this guy's, you know, sure, it's on the nose where he's explaining, like, it shouldn't matter what they look like. And, th- th- you know, putting these two people together to be like, no, you'll be happier like this. Everything about it, man. It's like, I don't know how you could do a better 25 minute episode. It's really just like crazy how well this works. Yeah, it's like you have this conceit, but you're also doing this world building on top of that that you didn't have to do. You could have just mm-hmm. kept it as bare as possible. But he has like, hey, you know, I could throw some in there. Again, like talking like we said last week, it's like that trauma of a dictator coming to power that everybody saw 
in World War II. It's that hangover from World War II. Like, that's funny. Like, this should be, I want to write an essay called Twilight Zone, the, the World War II hangover. Because it really is. It's referencing those things. It's like referencing that hangover we had, from, like, especially after we just came out of, like, Korea, too. Yeah. So it's just war, war, war. And this, like, and it's like this, it's been war and progress really hit together in the six, the 50s and 60s. Like, where it's just war. And it's, it's when you first realize how, like, war really does move forward manufacturing, science. And it, it, it's like, so there's this anxiety of science and end of like, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I was going somewhere good, though. But <laughs> Just know it was poignant. No, is it? But like, that's what it, it really is when you like think of Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone, like what it is. Like it's the confluence of like all, of decades worth of war that we've just gone through, unprecedented destruction, and the rise of like modernization and and science, like ultra modernization. That's like you know after war, like everything got urbanized. Yeah, and it's all in this twenty five minutes. Right. Well, Douglas Hayes was, he said in the interviews that how nervous he was about making this episode and cramming all of this ideology and all this, you know, because it is a heavy episode into that 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said while they were casting it, they actually, it was to hit back on something that you mentioned before, how it sounds like just all voiceover kind of thing. Now, when they were casting the episode, they casted it with their backs to the actors because they didn't want to look at them. It's just, Mm -hmm. all I'm going to hear is your voice. So that's what I'm casting you on. Crazy. Wow. So they heard Ellie Mae's voice and said, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all be sure and stay tuned now, you hear? But it still hits you, right? Yeah. Like the, when, when she takes it off and she's this beautiful woman, like it's still... Yeah, it's like yeah. perfect. It, you're still yeah. kind of like, wait. It's so jarring. So you're like, yeah, I was like, like, I was like it works. It's so disorienting. Uh, dude, break that down visually. It's like this whole buildup. Then everybody freaking out. It's all like, you know, like, like you know, insert shots of hands. And everybody's freaking out because it's a failure. And then you see like a woman who's famously beautiful. Like, yeah. like Ellie Mae is like, she was like a, a bona fide sex symbol back then. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, wait, I don't what's happening. And then you see all pig face people. Those shots still creep me out. Like they just, they're so stark and blank. And yeah, and the fact that they're acting so normal makes it even weirder. Well, that, that's why that title, what is it? A Private World of Darkness? Is that Private what it was? World of, yeah. Private world of, this no, episode private reminded world of me a little of Anomalisa. Have you guys seen it? Oh, the you Kaufman. love Anomalisa. Mm, no. This, it's basically like captures loneliness in like the most perfect, horrific way possible. Where basically mm. everyone on earth sounds exactly the same. So this They're has a similar vibe to it. Men, <laughs> this has women, a similar... everyone's Tom Noonan. Everybody's yeah. came from RoboCop 2. Imagine that world. <laughs> uh-huh. It would sound great for a little while, but then... Yeah. <laughs> and then in the movie, like, you know, he meets someone who, who does, who sounds different. And it's like, holy shit, that's... Who is it? It's, uh, it's my favorite actress, Jennifer Jason Jennifer Lee, Jason right? Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. This is kind of like that. It's like, we're... Even when the incredible reveal, it's like, oh, we're going to take you somewhere. And it's the guy. It's like, it doubles down on itself. It's like, oh, of course, that that is what makes sense. But you're, you see the guy, you're like, this fucking beautiful man. I mean, it's one thing to have a great reveal. It's another thing to have two within the span of three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bro. It's just so good. It's so depressing. I love Charlie Calvin. <laughs> that, I've, I've only seen that movie once. I don't know. I'm going to be a long time until I watch it again. Devastating. Devastating. <laughs> it's literally, it, it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, everything sucks. Yeah. Basically. There's no hope. There's no such thing as growth. Yeah. This is who you are. This is it. <laughs> it's yeah. great. Uh-huh. Oh, I love Charlie Kaufman. Mm-hmm. And again, like, you know, like Charlie Kaufman is like when you often hear the reason why you get like, oh, it's very got a Twilight Zone feel to it. Like, it's because of this. As episodes like this, it's like, it's not like high fantasy. It's, it's like, it's just very mundane. 
people in like typical situations like oh i have a i'm, I'm butt and i need i want to get my face fixed yeah, it's people at work chit chatting this is yeah. their nine to five whatever and then Don't cold a, class and then there's there's like you know you gotta take shorts blaster what's the matter george oh. hmm jock itch again oh, i've got oh. just the hmm. thing here why not take a shot of new shorts blaster huh? it's guaranteed to wipe out feather fungus in even the most active crotches shorts blaster and then i, I was trying okay let me tell you where i was trying to what go. was happening Just... i was trying to what spin this into this little piece like i would love to i was thinking about like what would their tv be like and then it just made me think of howard the duck and it's just like here here's the thing about howard the duck that i love it's just like where he sits down to watch tv and it's just like it's just regular tv that you would have in but everybody's ducks it's a great movie <laughs> and now mr serling you've probably run across these penny machines that tell your fortune you put a penny in and out comes a card only this particular machine, which you'll see next week, is a little bit unique in that the fortunes that it tells happen to come true. A most intriguing tale called The Nick of Time by Mr. Richard Matheson. And you're invited to partake of it. Thank you and good night. We cannot choose the way we look, but we can choose the way we behave. 